You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna Live. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu. It's Sunday morning. The Euro 2020 final is just hours away. England take on Italy. I know I've used this line a few times in the last few days, but is it coming home or is it headed for Rome? Not long until we find out what a cracker that is going to be. And I'm very, very much looking forward to that. But we're not going to spend a lot of time on that game because we discussed it. Uh, did a preview with a couple of the Simply Serie A boys, uh, which is on the channel. It's on the podcast feed. You can find it if you're interested in checking it out. It's a little bit more from an Italian perspective, but that's because that's what those guys are experts in. Um, so it, it will probably give you a bit of insight into Italy, actually, that you may not have found uh, on, on other channels. So do check that out. Um, but we here, we're going to focus on a few stories. We're going to focus on the announcement that Nuno Tavares is a Guna. Arsenal have completed the signing of the left-back from Benfica. We're going to be bringing you up to date on Albert Lekonga's proposed move from Anderlecht to Arsenal. We're going to be talking about the James Madison rumours uh, that have picked up even more pace over the last 24 hours. And we're going to be discussing Argentina's win in the Copa America final. Not only has Lionel Messi won an international tournament with Argentina, but Emiliano Martinez has too. So there is plenty to be discussing. Right. Uh, let's say a big hello to some of you guys in the chat. I can see there are plenty of you in there. Uh, big hello to Gerline, uh, to Matt, to Alan, to Eleanor, to Omar, to Brad. Hope you guys are all well. Um, let's get into it then. Let's start off with the announcement of the signing of Nuno Tavares. Now, Arsenal have completed the deal for the 21-year-old defender, uh, it's a long-term deal and uh, delighted to have him on board. I thought what was interesting was watching his interview. And I don't know if you've seen it or not, but if you haven't, it is on arsenal.com. It's on the Arsenal YouTube channel as well. Uh, you'll be able to find it. But Nuno Tavares sat down in front of the cameras and I was, first of all, taken aback by it, how good his English is, uh, which is obviously helpful. Like, it's not the be all and end all, but when you're coming from another country at at such a young age and you're going to be asked to kind of blend into this squad immediately and become a part of the team and play a key role. And I think it will be a key role, right? Because whilst none of us want to see Kieran Tierney injured, none of us want to see Kieran Tierney struggle for fitness. He has struggled for fitness. He has struggled with injury so much over the last couple of seasons that it's, it, it, I think it's, um, I think it would be wrong not to kind of take into account and understand that Nuno Tavares could play quite a significant role in the team next season. We know that he's comfortable playing at right back as well, uh, which could be a help too. But I think he was identified as the deputizer or, you know, the, the guy that was going to come in and deputize for Kieran Tierney in the event that he's not available. Kieran Tierney will need breaks. He'll need rests at certain points as well, because of course, uh, we know that those fitness issues do exist with him. Uh, Barb's in the chat says, uh, no disrespect, but I don't think it's time to celebrate the purchase of a backup player. No, look, it's not a signing that you're going to jump up and down about. It's not the kind of transfer that 
we as Arsenal fans, um, you know, were kind of dreaming for at the end of last season. No, it's not. But it was a position that needed addressing. I think we could all agree when we were sort of jotting down which positions we felt Arsenal needed to strengthen in. Backup left back was was massive for me because we saw at the back end of last season the negatives of not having a competent backup left back. We saw at times Cedric Suarez being moved from the right over to the left where he did okay at, at times, but largely looked quite uncomfortable. We saw Granit Xhaka uh, being pulled out of midfield and that weakened us in the midfield for him to then slot in at left back. And we all know that he, you know, isn't the most mobile, isn't the quickest player on the planet. And, and that caused us problems at times. We saw Bukayo Saka slot in there. But what does that mean? That means that you're taken away from your front line. So for me, it was a position that needed addressing. And it was a position that we were always going to sign someone a little bit low key. Somebody who was going to come in knowing and understanding that they were going to play second fiddle to Kieran And so you're not going to go and sign a, a top, top left back straight away. What Arsenal have done here instead of going down the old route where we would have maybe gone for someone a little bit more experienced who was going to come in and provide that cover and be able to slot in whenever necessary. We've gone for someone who has the potential to develop. And by all accounts, Nuno Tavares is not the finished article, right? He's got a long way to go. We're talking about a very young man, a little bit raw at times. Physically, though, he's got all the attributes. And I think with the right coaching, he can develop into a really, really good player. So, it's not a signing that I'm celebrating. It's not a signing that I'm jumping up and down about, but I think it's a, a smart signing. What was also interesting as well that we kind of picked up from that Nuno Tavares interview was that Arsenal had made their interest in him known from the back end of last season. There was this kind of feeling among some of the Arsenal fan base in recent weeks that what had happened was we'd looked at sort of shifting Matteo Genduzzi off to Benfica and as a result of those discussions, it became apparent that Nuno Tavares was available and Arsenal then proceeded to make that signing and make that deal happen. Actually, Nuno Tavares's account of events is very, very different. He says that Arsenal had been in contact with his representatives at the back end of last season, which suggests that Arsenal are trying to apply the things that they planned at the back end of last season towards the end of that campaign. We heard a lot about Arteta and Edu being very clear on what it was they wanted to do, what it was they wanted to achieve from this window. And people have kind of looked at some of the rumours that have come out in the last few weeks and gone, oh, well, we're all over the place. We don't have a plan. Well, this kind of backs up the point because Nuno Tavares, by his account, uh, was, of course, approached and contacted and identified by Arsenal as a target way before me or you or anybody else knew about it, which suggests that, you know, we may see further recruits, further ad additions to the team over the course of the next few months that we had no idea about. And and that's a good thing. You know, I, I always, I like it when transfers come out of the blue like that. I like the fact that they're able to keep things in-house quiet uh, and get them done without all the clamour and without all the kind of fans jumping on people's back uh, about it and sort of insisting that the deal should be done straight away. He talked about uh, the issues around the transfer, why it took a little bit longer maybe than than some of us expected. And, you know, obviously there was the quarantine issues which prevented it actually being wrapped up and announced. But he talks about uh, a bit of back and forth between Benfica and Arsenal as well in the process. So, um, yeah, let's see. He talked about how uh, positive he was about the project. And um, 
yeah, look, as I say, I don't think he's the finished article. I don't think he's going to be the first choice left back. I think he's a good addition to the squad. And I think he is someone um, who will provide cover in an area that we're undoubtedly going to need it uh, over the course of the season. So, yeah, um, let's go over to the club's website and pick up a couple of uh, bits and pieces uh, from the announcement. I'm sure many of you have read it, but for those of you that haven't, I'm just going to share a couple of key points uh, from from it. Uh, it talks about him coming through the Benfica youth system, making his Benfica B debut in October 2018 before progressing into the first team. Made his first team debut in the Portuguese Super Cup win over Sporting Lisbon in August 2019. And over the past two seasons, the Portugal under-21 international, who's predominantly a left-sided defender. They say predominantly because he can be versatile. He's made 25 appearances uh, for the first team. He was in the match day squad for both the matches we played against them in last season's Europa League round of 32. And he came on as a substitute uh, late in the second leg. Uh, technical director Edu had this to say. Nuno is a talented young player who was wanted by a number of clubs across Europe. He'll provide a strong backup in the left-back position. We look forward to him growing and developing with us and becoming an important member of the first team squad. Uh, Mikel Arteta says, uh, we welcome Nuno to the club. He's a young player with great promise who has developed very well with Benfica in recent seasons and has also shown his quality by being part of Portugal's under-21s. Nuno's arrival will give the squad extra strength and options in defence, particularly with his energy on the left side of the pitch. We look forward to Nuno's arrival soon, his integration into the Arsenal family and playing in front of our fantastic supporters. Now, it then goes on to say that the young defender will join up with his teammates in the coming days after he has travelled for Portugal and completed his current isolation period, well, his required isolation period, he's going to wear the number 20 shirt. So um, Nuno Tavares expected to, to travel with the squad up to Scotland. We've got a couple of friendlies coming up, and don't worry, we'll be keeping you right across those as well over the next few days. We start off with that game on Tuesday against Hibernian, and then we take on Rangers later on in the week, of course, the Scottish champions. So that's the Nuno Tavares bit. Nuno Tavares is a gooner that is done and dusted. And another deal that is very, very close to being done, although it hasn't been announced formally yet, is that bringing Albert Lekonga from Anderlecht to Arsenal. Now, the Belgian midfielder um, has been somebody that we've been linked with for a number of weeks now. We understand that that deal is edging ever closer uh, well, we understood that that deal was edging ever closer and we've heard uh, from a number of reputable sources over the last 24 hours that that deal is now done, that that deal has been agreed. Fabrizio Romano reported yesterday, Albert Sambi Lakonga deal, uh, 17, sorry, it was the day before the ninth, 17 and a half million euro deal. Um, plus add-ons, final fee of potentially €21 million. Euros. Arsenal have had that agreement in place since Tuesday evening. Now the paperwork is being done. It also goes on to report that Laconga turned down two offers from Italy to join Arsenal, and he will sign until 2026. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Laconga, how quickly we're going to get that over the line, how quickly he'll be able to join up with the first team squad. Now, the problem is that Laconga is going to have to isolate, right? Um, we, we've heard lots about that over the last sort of uh, few months, haven't we? Players having to isolate before making moves, et cetera, et cetera. And that obviously putting a bit of a spanner in the works, delay in the process. 
etc etc uh, Lokonga is not expected to be playing a part in the trip to Scotland I don't think he'll play a part in that training camp it feels like we're cutting it way too fine it feels like it's going to be a struggle for him uh, to get sort of through all the kind of red tape and get uh, himself ready and available for that but we do expect Lokonga to be an Arsenal player and take part in that tour of the USA, which is coming up a little bit later in the month. So, uh, Lokonga, the deal's done from what we're being told, but it's just a, cro- a case of crossing uh, the T's and dotting the I's, etc. So, uh, that one is uh, is almost there as well. Charles Watts uh, spoke a little bit about this yesterday. He spoke about the possibility of the medical potentially taking place in the Netherlands, which would play a part in the reduction of his isolation period because of the the different rules around different places and that he may fly from the Netherlands then directly to Scotland. But we don't know that for sure. Uh, That's Charles Watts's information. I I don't know anything about that, but just thought I'd relay it to you. So it does feel like Arsenal are doing what they can to try and get around the red tape, as I I put it, uh, and make sure that this deal is done as soon as possible and that the player is available and can join up with the squad as soon as possible. Because, you know, pre-season training has begun. We've only got around about a month till the start of the season. And while I'm not panicking with regards to transfers, it is preferable, isn't it, that we get these players in the door sooner rather than later and we can then start integrating them into the team and hopefully have them ready to take part uh, right at the start of the new campaign. Uh, so Lakonga, deal is agreed by all accounts. We're just waiting for that uh, to be sort of um, to be sorted, and we're just waiting for uh, that to be sort of announced and and yeah, basically for it to actually be completed. In other news, Arsenal continue to be linked with Leicester City's James Madison now. It's another one that has been rumbling on for a little while now. We've heard of Mikel Arteta in particular's admiration for James Madison. But is James Madison the man that Arsenal need? Now, the AFC Bell was reporting this yesterday. They put these tweets out. Obviously, their tweets are always in a different language, so you have to translate it. But um, it says here that James Madison's camp expect a move and an attempt from Arsenal in the coming weeks to sign the player. The club, through its lobbying and back channels, offered James Madison a four plus one contract, a salary nearly double what he earns at Leicester City and the opportunity to wear the iconic number 10 shirt. Uh, they go on to provide some further information, which I'll just uh, bring you in on. Uh, Arsenal's seriousness was evident as the spies informed the players' camp that the club saw him as a primary target this window. The club's vigour was well received by the camp and the player alike, and he understands that Madison's openly discussed with his inner circle the idea of leaving Leicester and joining Arsenal. Um, let's let's take it a little bit further. Um, Arsenal does not seem despair of its chances in this file. And I know some of this doesn't always make sense because it is Google translated from Arabic, but there is a realism in the atmosphere with the difficulty of the deal. But the club does not believe that it is impossible or a losing battle that he should not enter. We know how painstaking it is to say no guarantees the deal will happen, but it's not dead before it's born. But that's the exact description. That's Let me, let me translate that properly because that, that, that particular tweet is a bit of a mess. Uh, when you hit the the translate button. Arsenal have 
got the message to James Madison, according to this report from the AFC Bell, that they are interested in signing him. The report also goes on to say that James Madison is not against the idea of moving to Arsenal and has discussed a potential move to Arsenal with his close inner circle. It also goes on to say that Arsenal don't feel that this deal is an impossible one to do. Um, and if they did, they wouldn't even be trying it. So what does that suggest? Are Arsenal ready, willing even, to go big on James Madison? Because it looks like, um, you know, they are. It looks like they're going to make a really big offer and try and tempt Leicester City into selling him. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Look, if James Madison signs for Arsenal, of course, when he's wearing that Arsenal shirt, I'll be 100% behind him. And I'd be more than happy to say I was wrong on this if he comes in and produces. I think James Madison is a good Premier League player. Do I think he's worth, though, in excess of 60, 65 million pounds at a time like this? I'm not 100% sure uh, is my honest answer because... I just think you could buy someone of that same level, possibly an even higher level from the continent and, and kind of bully a club into selling a player who are in a weaker financial situation than Leicester City and therefore get more for your money than James Madison. That's my initial thoughts and feelings on this. I mean, James Madison was in and out of the Leicester side at the end of last season. There were a couple of issues uh, sort of off the field as well. If you remember, he was one of the players that broke the uh, the COVID rules and ended up getting in, himself in hot water. I don't know. I don't know. I'm If Arsenal do it, you know, great. Uh, as I say, I, I don't think you can really, oh, I don't think you should really take notice of a player's price tag until they prove to be a flop. That's when it matters, isn't it? If he, If you pay 60 million for him, but he comes in and, assist you in getting back into the top four and getting the club back to where you want them to be, then nobody's going to turn around and say, oh, well, we overpaid for James Madison. You know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And that is very much the way you probably need to look at some of this transfer stuff now. But the AFC bill uh, not going away on this one, despite some suggesting that this is not a deal uh, that is on the cards, that James Madison will not be moving to Arsenal this summer. The AFC bill believes that this one has legs, that this has the potential to, to materialise into something. So watch this space and let me know in the chat, would you like to see Arsenal sign James Madison this summer? Right, uh, let's pick up a few of your comments um, on this subject and then I'm going to touch on one more uh, discussion and then I'm going to ask you guys to fill up the chat box with your comments. I can see there's over 100 of you watching us uh, right now on YouTube. So if you are uh, please do hit the like button. It really, really does help the channel. And if you haven't done so already, then make sure you are subscribed to the channel. If you want to go one further and become a member and support me to bring you more content, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. Right. Uh, what else have we got here? Let's see uh, what you guys are saying uh, on the James Madison thing. Inter says, I like Madison. He'll be good. Uh, Brad says, Madison is a baller. Um Matt G says, my issue with the bell, uh, which is obviously the source for this report, is he says a lot without actually saying anything. Madison is our top target and are looking, and we're looking at putting an offer in. We're looking for a number 10. It's not rocket science. I, I agree with that, Matt. Um, I think a lot of ITKs do that. You know, they, they will try and turn 
a tiny snippet of information that they may have received, may have heard, whatever, into a story. And I guess they need to do that to make it seem like there is a story there to kind of pull you in. Um, and a lot of it is, is, is speculation. A lot of it is hearsay. And you need to be able to pull out what the key sort of component is from that. And if I'm having to pick out the key component from that report, the bits that jump out to me, you know, aside from all the kind of hot air that's around it, is Madison has been informed or Madison's representatives know of Arsenal's admiration for him and he's not ruled out the move. Now, that doesn't make us any closer to agreeing a fee with Leicester City that would see him move from the King Power Stadium to the Emirates. And so, you know, we've got to remember that and we've got to stay calm and we've got to consider all of that. But I think that's the bit in there that stands out is that Madison himself would be interested in a move to Arsenal. And that, you know, they also go on to specify as well what the offer looks like from Arsenal as well, or, or roughly what the offer looks like. Four plus one year contracts, so a four year deal with the option to extend another uh, year, double the salary that he's earning at Leicester City and the number 10 shirt. It sounds uh, quite detailed. And, and so I'd argue that maybe that part is is too specific for somebody to just make up. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few bits in there. Does that need four tweets or five tweets or whatever it is to get that information across? Probably not. But I understand why they do it like that and why people need to do it like that, really. Um, it's just... Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just the way reporting goes nowadays. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, in terms of your comments, I can see a lot of you uh, talking about the um, the all or nothing documentary. We'll we'll discuss that uh, a little bit later, if you like, when we when we do strictly questions. Um, Brad Richardson says, for me, signing a James Madison is a sign we're no longer the banter club. Uh, good point. Uh, Jack sees it a little bit differently, says Madison is very overrated, just rated higher because he's English, very inconsistent and isn't isn't very young anymore. Yeah. I mean, you get that though, don't you? Um, I, I talk about it all the time, Premier League, English premium, it's there. Um, and I, that's why I, a lot of the time, you know, I think I look at some of these players and I refuse to believe that there is not a player as talented on the continent who will be available for less money. But do you want to take, you know, yes, every transfer is a risk, but do you want to take more risk by, having to rely on that player to come in and hit the ground running and adapt. That's why these clubs do what they do and they pay over the top because they feel there is less risk in that player sort of struggling to adapt to his new club because they already know the culture. They already know the league. They already know the style of football. And and yeah, let's see. Um, let me just quickly touch on the Copper America stuff, uh, because, of course, the Copper America final was at 1 a.m. last night. Uh, so we're going to touch on that. And while I do that, fill up the chat box, guys, with your questions. Pop a little cue at the beginning of them. So I'm, I find it easier to pick them out from the chat. They can be on anything, anything you like. Um, and I just want to quickly discuss the Copper America final whilst you guys do that. Um, congratulations to Argentina. Uh, first title in a while and one that you could see meant the absolute world to them. The Copa America, in my opinion, this season has been a little bit 
of a, a struggle to watch because of the fact that there has been no supporters in the grounds, none at all, up until the final. And both sides were allowed, I think it was around about two and a half or, or 2,700 supporters. I say supporters, they were guests of the respective FAs, but they created some sort of atmosphere, an atmosphere that we needed um, to to kind of make that uh, a much better spectacle. I think that for me, uh, you know, going into the final, and I have no allegiance to Argentina or to Brazil. Um, I've always liked Argentina because I, I'm a massive fan of Lionel Messi. I would probably say that Diego Maradona is my favourite player of all time. And so for that, you know, I kind of normally lean that way if I had to pick between the two. But it's not anything stronger than that. It is purely just a, you know, sort of in in my mind, those are the greatest players, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and I'll always gravitate towards that. But it was great to see Lionel Messi win it for me massively. And the reason being that, you know, for me, Lionel Messi's not got anything to prove, right? He's proven throughout the last 15 years or so that he is up there with the greatest players ever to play the game of football. And I think most people would agree with that. There will be debates about whether he's number one or whether he's number two or whether he's even number three. But the fact is, he is one of the greatest of all time. And for me to to hear people constantly moaning and, and kind of trying to discredit him or put him down because he hadn't won an international tournament with Argentina was was driving me insane. So to see him finally do that, finally achieve that, finally deliver um, silverware to the nation was a massive relief for me, for me because now we don't have to have that debate anymore. Ronaldo won the Euros with Portugal. Well, Messi's won the Copa America, which is the South American equivalent with Argentina. I've, I've even seen some people saying, oh, but the Euros is harder to win than the Copa America. Well, Lionel Messi, as powerful and as great as he is, isn't able to pick up Argentina, the nation, and carry it across the Atlantic all the way over to Europe and drop it down in between Germany and France, is he, to make it a European country? So you've got to be fair. He can only do what he can do. And he wasn't outstanding, I didn't think, in the final itself, but he was outstanding throughout the course of the tournament. And um, you could see what it meant to him and, and you could see how everybody kind of gravitated towards Lionel Messi when the trophy was won because they know that this kind of, for me anyway, is the kind of capping off of Lionel Messi's legacy uh, as a footballer, not just on at club level, but at international level. And I'm, I'm delighted for him. Also want to give a shout out to, to Emiliano Martinez as well. And I'm not doing it. I'm not going down that rabbit hole of, did we sell the wrong goalkeeper? We've had that discussion so many times over the last sort of nine months or so. It's, it's driven me absolutely fucking mad. So we're not going to touch on that. We're not going to talk about that. But I do want to give Emmy Martinez praise because he, for me, is proof of the fact that persistence pays off. This is a goalkeeper who was on the peripheries of Arsenal for many, many years. You had lots and lots of loan spells without really inspiring, who kept at it, believed in himself, believed in his own ability, got given the opportunity at the back end of the uh, 1920 season, took that opportunity with both hands, performed exceptionally well for Arsenal in the, the run to the FA Cup as well, especially. And 
then got his call up to the international stage uh, to represent his beloved Argentina and has not only gone on to win the Copa America, making a huge contribution in that semi-final in particular with some brilliant penalty saves in the shootout against Colombia, but he's gone on to win the goalkeeper of the tournament. For me, you know, that is a great story. And whether you think we sold Emmy Martinez wrongly or rightly or whatever, just park that for a minute, right? And 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 just be chuffed for Emmy Martinez because he deserves it. He has been immense over this last 18 months or so. He's made some mistakes, um, as all goalkeepers do. I'm not saying he's been flawless, but when you think that he went from going out on loan season after season, not having an impact at Arsenal to making himself in the eyes of many Arsenal fans, the club's number one before going on to be Aston Villa's number one in the Premier League playing week in, week out to then earn his international call up to then go um, and and help Argentina to a tournament is, is brilliant. So yeah, I'm, I'm delighted for Emi Martinez. I really, really am. Another player I was, I was really impressed with during the final was Rodrigo De Paul, a player that Arsenal have been linked with uh, quite heavily over the last sort of 12 months or so. We know that's not going to happen uh, because, of course, uh, Rodrigo De Paul has uh, joined or, or is going to join uh, Atletico Madrid uh, from what we're led to believe. Uh, that deal is not done yet, but um, there are sort of conversations and, and reports suggesting that that is very close and it has been uh, sort of agreed, although not completed yet. Uh, but he looked a really good player for me as well. Really strong in the middle of the park, really technical, really clever, picked out the pass for Angel Di Maria who scored what proved to be the decisive goal as well. So he looks like a really good, good player. And I've seen him play for Udinese at times, but I think when he, when you put him in that Argentina team surrounded by bigger talents, I thought he was, he was excellent and and definitely deserves a shout out. Right. Let's, uh, let's go over to some of your questions. Uh, let's see uh, what you guys have to say. Uh, Scrolling down, scrolling down. Ross Morgan says, where are you watching the final? Unfortunately, I'm not going to be at the final today. I was at the Italy-Spain semi-final, which I I thoroughly enjoyed. But I'm not going to be at the game today. I am going to be watching it with some friends. We're going to have a barbecue beforehand. So we're going to have a nice little barbecue. Enjoy that. And then all uh, sit down and watch the game. So, yeah, going to be watching it with friends. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that as well. There's nothing better, is it, than watching football um, with, with your mates, I guess. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Omar, staying on the Copa America theme, says, why does Di Maria continue to be criminally underrated, delivered on the big stage yet again? Yeah, he was, he was brilliant. And he took his goal so, so well. I think Lodi probably should have cut out the pass. But once it came to Angel Di Maria, his touch was flawless. And the the way he stayed composed to lift the ball over uh, the onrushing Edison was was fantastic. It's a great finish. It's a great goal. And I thought it was very useful at holding on to the ball and taking players on for Argentina during periods when they were pinned back by Brazil and they were essentially holding on. Uh, what else have we got? Um Inter's asking about the Emmy Martinez transfer. I'm not doing that one today. I'm not doing that one today. We've done it to death. Um, you know, I, I get that people are frustrated by that and frustrated by the fact that they're now sitting there watching Emmy Martinez go on and deliver at the highest level while we maybe still have question marks about Berlino. But 
let's just give Emmy Martinez all the praise he deserves for the achievement, for what he's done. And the Arsenal part of it comes in um, or, or shouldn't come in uh, on this occasion, in my opinion. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Jay Dubia says, I really like Madison, going back to that. But when you consider you could get Basuma and Locatelli or a while for a similar price, plus his injury record ain't great. Thoughts on this, please, Harry? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I like James Madison. I think he's a good player. And I know I keep saying I've got to get out of this habit of acting like Arsenal's accountant, but it does, you know, some deals do feel outrageous in their prices. You know, Ben White, feels outrageous to me price-wise and but I'm trying really hard to not sort of make that judgment until I see how those transfers work out I, I want to apply the same logic for James Madison but I, I don't think you can I, I think that James Madison while he's probably proven more than Ben White I think that there are more creative number 10 type players out there that you could go and sign for a smaller price than there are top quality centre-backs. And it's why I probably make more of an issue of overspending on Madison. If we were to do that, then I would have overspending on White. So that's where I am. Uh, Wesbird says, OK, Harry, you can have two players only. Who would they be and why? Um, two players. I would take... I would take... I would take Ruben Neves in midfield. I'm going to try and keep this realistic, right? I'm not going to sit there and say we're going to sign Lionel Messi as much as I'd love to. But I'd, t I'd take Ruben Neves in midfield. Um, and the number 10 position is the one I, I struggle with. And I'm struggling to think of who uh, who would be the option. But I think if we got Neves and we got White in on top of the Lokonga deal and the Tavares deal, I think we'd have done okay. I think. When you look at the number 10 position, yes, it's a position in which we need to strengthen, but we've got Emil Smith-Rowe there. We've got Bukayo Saka, who could potentially move into that position. I think Nicolas Pepe could actually do a job there if, if somebody was willing to give him the opportunity. I just, I, I'm, oh, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard to, to narrow it down to two players because I think we need more than that. I think with Saliba seemingly going out on loan again, we do need the centre-back and that, Ben White addresses that. We do need another midfielder to play alongside Thomas Partey, in my opinion, because I'm not quite sure Lokonga is 100% ready or is of the profile that Mikel Arteta is necessarily looking for as Partey's partner. I see him more of a, as more of a Partey than a partner for Partey, if that makes sense. Um, but then, you know, if you're saying to me we can only have two players, then I'm going to miss out on an attacking midfielder. And I do think while I've mentioned a few names that could potentially fill in there, they're not specialists in that role. And, um, you know, maybe Mikel might be tempted to kind of go into a 4-3-3 rather than a 4-2-3-1 in that instance where he'd be able to play, for example, Lokonga, Neves and Partey as a trio. I don't know. It's a really tough question. Um, but it, yeah, Neves and White would be the ones from the ones we've been linked with that I'd, I'd pick right now, if I'm honest. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, let's pick out a few more questions. Um, what have we got here? Lots of questions about Madison. We'll try and pick out something a little bit different. Roy Eaton says that, do you think this will be Messi's last international tournament? I would have said that if the football calendar 
wasn't messed up. So obviously what's happened is that the Copa America um, is, is, is being played 2021. It was played in, in 2019. Previously, the World Cup is in 2022. You've got the Euros being played now in 2021, but actually it was the 2020 tournament. And I think because of the close proximity between this Copa America that's just finished and the next World Cup in Qatar, which is in uh, the winter, et cetera, et cetera, I think you'll probably get one more out of him. I do. I think that Lionel Messi will probably play in the Qatar uh, World Cup 2022. And I think that will be his final swan song uh, at international level. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, <laughs> Vikshan Sunny says, your recommendations for any good TV series, Harry? What are your favourites personally? That's a out-of-the-box question, but we'll take it on. Um, some of my favourites are um, The Sopranos. Massive fan of that. Um, I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad. I really enjoyed that. I like Sons of Anarchy. Um, I like Game of Thrones. I like Yellowstone, which I'm currently watching at the moment. Kevin Costner, great show. Even got a Yellowstone cap. Uh, yeah, started watching that one recently, and I banged out two series in about two weeks. So, yeah, that's that's a really good watch um, if you're interested. But, yeah, yeah, good question. Different question. Uh, what else have we got? Big hello to uh, everybody else joining us in the chat. There are plenty of you in there as well. Um, Nordin says, uh, Harry, I like the positive way you look at the Emmy Martinez issue. Big up, man. Thank you very much, man. And listen, we can have that debate again at some point about the goalkeepers, you know, and, and maybe Berlin will prove us, prove to us one way or the other if we made the right decision in the coming season. But it's just, you know, sometimes you just have to take out the narrative and the agenda and just enjoy for what it is and give Emmy Martinez the credit he deserves. He's talked the talk a lot lately. Emmy Martinez, but now he's walking the walk and he deserves uh, plenty of uh, of praise for that. Um, Alan Kay says, why pay crazy overinflated money for Madison if we can get better players from Europe for less than half the price, like a while, for example? Yeah, that, that's my view pretty much on the whole Madison thing. Um, I've got the door open because it's quite warm today and a fly has flown in and he's buzzing around me and really pissing me off so if you can hear a little buzz in the microphone i do apologize big thank you to Said abdullah for your very very kind uh super chat donation thank you very much my friend uh, he says big up harry uh arsenal interested in a number 10 player and number eight players what do you think the formation arteta what do you think will be the formation arteta uses next season i think that he probably will stay with the four two three one i think he probably feels like that gives us that little bit of defensive stability that we never had previously. Um, I think Arsene Wenger's 4-2-3-1 never had that defensive stability because it wasn't, in my opinion, coached as well. And that's not to knock the, the great Arsene Wenger. It's just that Mikel Arteta's 4-2-3-1 is a bit more rigid. You're talking about two deeper sort of playing, sort of two midfielders capable of playing in deeper roles. The one of the fullbacks being a bit more conservative than they would have been under Arsene Wenger or Unai Emery, um, and and all of those things combined that have made our four-two-three-one now a lot more sturdy. I think that for the time being, he should probably stick with that. I think what we've struggled with is finding that right balance between 
trying to play the exciting and expansive way that we've come to associate with Arsenal in recent years, but also not making us or, or also trying to make us difficult to beat, making us stubborn rather than having that kind of soft underbelly that Arsenal have, have, have sort of long been criticised for. I think 4-2-3-1 gives you the best balance, if I'm honest. I think the 4-3-3 is good, um, you know, the way Liverpool play, the way City play, but it needs very specific players. And looking at what we have and the players that we're rumoured with, I'm not sure if I'm convinced yet that he is going to make that transition from the 4-2-3-1 into the 4-3-3. I'm just not sure about that at the moment. If he goes and signs two more central midfielders and not a number 10, then I'd maybe think that that's the direction we're heading in. But as of now, I think it will be the 4-2-3-1. That's, that's my view. Um, Anurag, uh, one of our members, says uh, there are rumours circling that Isco would be available for 6 to 16 million. Do you think you would take him? No, um, I wouldn't. I'm not a massive fan of Isco. I think he's a good player. I think he's got a lot of qualities, but I'm not sure that I would be sort of relying on him to come to the Premier League now and adapt. Uh, you're talking about somebody who uh, is 29 years old, maybe argue that he's in his peak years, but it wouldn't be a worthwhile investment for me because you've got to remember, right, it's not just what these players are going to cost us in terms of transfer fees. He might be available for, let's say, for argument's sake, 10, 15 million pounds. But what you're talking about in Isco is someone who's been on the books at Real Madrid for many, many years and will undoubtedly be earning a huge salary. Arsenal probably can't pay what he's getting at Real Madrid and Arsenal probably shouldn't pay what he's earning at Real Madrid. So that makes a difference as well. Uh, so not for me, um, although I, I think he's a quality player, but just, just not for me. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, let's pick out a couple more questions. Um, would you take Sabitza? Only 15 million for him and he's a baller. I, I've discussed this before. Uh, I am a fan of Sabitza. I think he's a good player. But I think Sabitza probably fits what I was just talking about a little bit more. The 4 2 three, one. Uh, Sorry, confused myself. Sabitza fits in the 4-3-3 three, three for me more than the 4-2-3-1. I think because he gives you a bit of both. He gives you the ability to go forward and, and he can impact games that way. But I think he also gives you the work rate that a deeper line midfield player should probably bring to the table as well. So I think if we were switching to the 4 3 3, he'd be a really good fit. But for me, I'm not sure that we are. And I imagine that's probably partly why he's not on Arsenal's radar, to our knowledge anyway. But as I said, you know, we, we didn't know nothing about Nuno Tavares at the beginning of the summer. We heard about that just a couple of weeks ago. Although now the deal has been done and the player is officially a Guna, we've heard from him straight out of the horse's mouth that that interest has been long-standing and has been there for a while. So uh, we don't always know what Arsenal are up to behind the scenes. I think it's a good thing. I like it like that. Um, gives us less to talk about. But I think from a football perspective and a business perspective, it certainly makes a lot more sense. Right. I think we are going to leave it there. Um, wishing you all a fantastic Sunday. Hope you all enjoy the final later on. I uh, hope you're, uh, you know, looking forward to kind of settling down and, and watching that one. And I know for a lot of people, it's a, it's a nerve wracking encounter. England versus Italy at Wembley in the Euro 2020 final. We'll be discussing that game on one of tomorrow's podcasts. Um, I'm sure you're sick to death uh, of hearing a little bit about it. 
you know, or, or of hearing about it in the build-up. So I'm not going to bore you with more uh, predictions or more sort of uh, discussion around it. If you want to check out our preview, you can do so. It's on the channel and on the podcast feed. Don't forget to hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Let's quickly check out where we are uh, on that front. We've got over 150 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms. There's only 33 likes, though, on the YouTube video. Let's get that up as quick as possible. Hopefully, by the time the outro plays, we can get that at least up to 75. There's enough of you watching. It doesn't cost a thing. Hit the like button. Subscribe if you're new, and I'll catch you all tomorrow. Until then, take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry.